Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of the Chicago Bears offseason trajectory and some recent news that has been coming out revolving the team. With that includes lasting thoughts from the Saints game, Trubisky and Robinson's unlikely return, Pagano retiring, and Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace being retained. We're also going to be talking a little bit more uh, about their press conference and then the potential of a Deshaun Watson trade and how we could potentially get a quarterback going forward. But before we get into the show, guys, please leave us a like and written review in Apple Podcasts. That helps us out tremendously. And then go ahead and make sure to check out our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Thank you guys so much and bear down. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. Uh, thankfully, we don't have another awkward intro. I know that the past two podcasts, we threw a little creative spin on it, but uh, <laughs> right now, <laughs> right now, we don't, uh, we don't got anything. Uh, but man, Reese, how are you doing this week? Doing pretty good. I mean, I think a lot of us are kind of still not feeling great about the way the Bears got bounced out of the playoffs, so she kind of playing you know, like shit, to be honest, you know, the past two weeks of the season. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think hopefully we can bring some optimism, you know, maybe look at the brighter side of what's going on in this podcast. I know that a lot of y'all, you know, maybe because of the recent news are maybe still very upset, you know, wanting to see the house cleaned out and I can understand those feelings, but you know, hopefully I, hopefully the bears can move on and head into the right direction. And we'll definitely touch on that in this uh, podcast. Man, I hate to say it, but I feel like we were kind of right. Like I don't, I don't usually bask in our, in our our own takes, but we were when Mitchell Trubisky. When man, the amount of Bears fans I saw saying that we should re-sign Mitchell Trubisky after like only the Texans game, I was like, holy crap! Like, like this, it really shows how bipolar this fan base is because. Man, did he not look terrible on the main stage? I mean, we literally had players. I mean, Cam Jordan when he was on, uh, who I Rich can't remember Eisen what rate. Yeah, Rich Eisen. I mean, Rich Eisen. I mean, what a what a great broadcasting career he has. I mean, that's a that's a legendary. Uh, legendary sh- talk show he has going on for him right there. Uh, he always has everyone on. Man, that man knows everybody. I, I hope someday Definitely. we can have that type of situation. <laughs> but uh, no, he he goes on and, and he at, Rich Eisen asked me, he's like, how threatening is Mr. Trubisky as a quarterback? And uh, he goes, uh, I plead the fifth on that one and starts laughing. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it, it was almost a joke. And it, it's honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves here, if Mitchell Trubisky wasn't a first-round pick, he would have been gone really early. Like, he would not have made it this long, not even remotely close with the Bears. He probably would have been gone after, you know, not a, maybe after, not definitely not after year one, definitely not after year two, but after last year, he would have been in, you know, in the dumpster. He would have been done. Uh, but, you know, that's what it is when you get drafted that high. Ryan Pace obviously had a really bad miss there. Uh, but really, today is going to be all about the Saints game, but also at the same time, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace obviously being retained, Pagano retiring. We're going to be talking about all this stuff. But the one thing that I have to say is that we were right about Trubisky. Yeah, we definitely were. And I think that um, when it came down to it, Trubisky failed to deliver in games against good defenses. I mean, it just came down to that. Teams that were bad, the Bears offense in general, and Trubisky, the beneficiary of it, um, played better, played well, 
But these are against defenses where they didn't have to really go outside their comfort zone too much. The games were, you know, well in hand. They didn't have to do anything complex. And then as soon as they went up the, to the defenses of the Packers and the Saints, they failed, you know. And I think it's it's pretty easy to see, you know, where Trubisky does not deliver. I think at this point, if it hasn't been clear before, which it has been, it's definitely clear as day now that the Bears do need to move on from him. I think that, you know, if you're still a, a Trubisky truther, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Truth Bisky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's our he's our solution. Yeah. No, I, I mean. It's tough to be in that I, camp. And I'd really, I would, of course, I'm always here to hear, you know, hear everyone's opinion. But at the same time, it's tough to to sell me on someone that we've repeatedly see fail. And, you know, perhaps Matt Nagy has led him down a path of failure to some extent. You know, maybe with a different coach, he could have done better. I'm not going to exclude that from being a possibility. But in this situation, on this team, with the current coaching staff, who's going to be brought over next year, Mitchell Trubisky is not going to perform any differently at all. He might, not even, he might even do worse, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the difficulty with... Nagy's system is quite different than you know the the tree that Sean McVay comes from or the tree that you know Kyle Shanahan comes from Nagy's coaching tree is not about simplicity you know it, that is, that is almost the exact opposite about what it is it's you know beating other teams with you know quick thinking be able to make quick reads get the ball downfield time to time and Mitchell Trubisky he just didn't have the processing power to be running that type of offense. So it's it's really hard to blame Matt Nagy. It you know, he has a lot of fair criticisms. And I, we were we were roasting him for his play caller calling duties early in the year. Okay. He he we we're roasting him for it. But at the end of the day, when you can only execute your scheme to such a fraction of what you are hoping from it, it makes things really difficult. It makes things really difficult. It makes play calling really difficult. It may, I mean, like you can't really, when you can't expand the full playbook, it's hard to actually tell if your coordinator or coach or whatever that may be is the right guy. And the reason why I was okay with retaining Nagy is, you know, I think that he has shown enough to say that he has good ideas he, does, he has his flaws, but he has good ideas. And he's, at the end of the day, whether we talk about the defense or the offense, whatever it may be, while he maybe hasn't gotten as far into the postseason, he has a winning record with Mitchell Trubisky. With Mitchell Trubisky, who, quite frankly, might be the worst quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> the fact is... I mean, that's insane. That's insane. Like, truthfully, let's take a moment to understand that Mitchell Trubisky is coming into this free agency with an overwhelming winning record. Right. And it's definitely crazy to think about because, you know, I think you can make the argument that in a lot of those wins, he very much probably wasn't a part of the reason why they won. I think that there's some instances where he did come and he did have some clutch moments. I mean, honestly, in the fourth quarter, late on drives, you know, he's not a bad two-minute quarterback. At the same time, though, no matter who who is coaching this Bears team, if Mitchell Trubisky is the quarterback, they are going to severely – it's a severe handicap to them into mm-hmm. running whatever offense they want to run. And 
therefore, you know, probably winning football games. I, I don't care who you plug into here. You know, they're going to struggle with, you know, finding a system that really clicks with Trubisky. And, and I don't think that absolves Nagy of blame. I'm not meaning it to. I think, you know, the Bears fans that are calling for Nagy's head, I think, are justified and have every right to do so. And the people that are calling for change, you know, all the way up, you know, the Bears chain, I think they have the right to say that. But I think the fact is we also have to realize but this Bears team, <laughs> they have gone through a lot. It's been a roller coaster. And each season since your roller coaster and also through the history has been a roller coaster. But one thing has constantly held each Bears team back, and it's the fact that we've never had a standout quarterback. If we get a franchise quarterback, we can totally change the direction that this franchise is going. And I know that you know part mm-hmm. of it may be the mentality that some of these executives have. Ted Phillips, not a football guy. McCaskies, I mean, there's so much that you can be say about them. I mean, they've only, you know, since nineteen sixty three have won two championships, one of them being a Super Bowl. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's right there's reasons to criticize them as well. Um but the fact is when you don't have a quarterback that's playing at the top of the league it's hard to be at the top of the league yourself. You are actively fighting against it's running uphill. You're making it harder than it needs to be. And and not only that, but it also makes your evaluations so much harder. Like exactly. we don't we really we don't really know who Nagy is, if I'm being completely honest. Like what I can say about Nagy is that the Foles experiment was working a bit until the offensive line collapse, which which makes a lot of sense given his lack of mobility. And he's still Nick Foles. But we definitely saw, I felt, like a, a schematical advantage in, in the early times with Foles. Like we saw, and same with Chase Daniels, honestly. Like even having a guy like that where he just kind of, he was able to get through the scheme. Like he was able to get through his reads. He was able to look at that. I mean, if you another thing you want to talk about Anthony Miller, I mean talk about other players. Part of the reason why he didn't get any any really targets is because Mitch Trubisky can't make it to his third read. You know when yeah. he's playing at that slot, he can't make it to that read. You know, so it, it, it's almost like it makes everything else harder. And I think really what would and doing a complete one eighty isn't always the best thing to do for a football franchise. It just I mean, the Browns did it for God knows how many years, just changing out head coach, changing out head coach, changing out head coach. We know Nagy is good enough that players like him. We know that he runs an up-to-date program. And we know that, you know, he has a lot of reasons to say, I haven't really had a fair crack at this. And it's unfortunate because so many coaches do get fired when they don't really get a fair chance because of, you know, the quarterback they have or whoever. But I have seen enough from Nagy to say, I'm okay with him and Pace coming together, selecting a quarterback, and making the decision at that point. You know, hopefully it's not a selection, and we'll talk about that later in the show, but I am willing to wait out a true, you know, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace guy, because we have yet to have it. People say, oh, well, Ryan Pace signed Mike Lennon. Yeah, did you see the freaking contract he sent him to? He was meant to be a bridge guy. Oh my God, you know, we we traded for Nick Foles. Okay, Nick Foles, again, probably intended to be a bridge guy. I don't think last year, besides Tom Brady or some other miracle like that, there really wasn't a, an, an option that we had. You know, we didn't have a first-round pick. We other didn't, than Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts was technically an option. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Jalen Hurts was an option, but, you know, I, 
I still don't, I, you know, I still don't know where he's going to be at. You know, I'm not completely sold on Jalen Hurts either. I think that he comes with some issues that Mitchell Trubisky has as well. Definitely. I just think, you know, there was an option and maybe it was good that they didn't take that option. We're still yet to see. But, you know, mm. if it plays out as being well, you know, as a good option for the Eagles, which, you know, God help them too. I mean, <laughs> they can use yeah. it. They're They're in football purgatory as well. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, at the same time, he was technically an option, right? He's not the best one, but, uh, you know, I don't they also, get, you I also don't had s- the option over all the five years to draft another quarterback other than Trubisky and not meaning just in the True. first round, but you know, anywhere. <laughs> True. We're going to talk about that more when we get to the Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace being retained. Let's, let's go ahead and go in order. So the show isn't just a complete mumble jumble of thoughts because there's just so much going on, <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> It's really a good time in the year because, you know, I personally like, you know, the very beginning of the offseason because you get a lot of knowledge into the direction of your team next year. Um, but, yeah, so so let, let's let's go ahead and start. Let's just start with our Saints, you know, impressions. Man, dis- disappointing. Uh, you can hear our instant react or my instant reaction uh, on YouTube. Uh, it's been up for a while now. Uh, disappointing, to say the least. But the bigger thing to me was clarity like I feel like that game it kind of you know settled the waters for me like I what happened so far was exactly what I predicted going into uh the offseason the the current changes in the organization they're exactly what I thought they would be I think it gave us clarity on who Mitchell Trubisky is. I don't think he, luckily he didn't throw a pick. He didn't turn the ball over. But again, something that I'll continue to restate to everybody is it's not always about what a quarterback does. It's what he doesn't do. And Mitchell Trubisky, because of Matt Nagy being able to hide a lot of his flaws, he's been able to, t- you know, get those five to 10 yard dump downs. Uh, and it just, it, he, he was, he wasn't able to deliver the type of quarterback plays you want him to, especially when he missed, there was a wide open receiver downfield on a third and like seven. And he chose to check it down for two yards to a guy that instantly got tackled. Stuff like that is just like, it's so elementary, you know? And, and that's what I think is going to define Mitchell Trubisky's career as a Chicago bear is just really elementary level quarterback play. And by that, I don't mean he has a lot of talent. The, the dude has an arm on him. He's, you know, he has a, a, a good release. He's mobile. I mean, there's all these good things about Mitchell Trubisky, but at the end of the day, the one thing that consistently seems to, you know, hold quarterbacks, hold quarterbacks back, especially in this West coast scheme is that they're just not, they just don't have the football IQ for it. Mitchell Trubisky never had that moment where he woke up and learned how to play quarterback like we were expecting and because of that he has to be gone and it makes total and complete sense why he is gone yeah and you know i think that's definitely a big part of it and ultimately it comes down to the bears missed a lot of chances in that game i mean obviously the one that stands out is the javon wims one i mean it could have been a different game if they capitalized on that i don't know if they necessarily would have beat the saints but they could have mixed it up a bit, and you figure the offense would have had a bit more momentum rolling. But after that, the Bears still had plenty of chances to get back in the game, opportunities to have it with good field position. Um, you know, Cordell Patterson return, had a decent kick return, gave you decent you know field position. But at the same time, I think 
the Saints ultimately just they're too high of a football IQ team, too good of a defense to let the generic offense of the Bears score on them. And Nagy and Laser couldn't counter what Trubisky was giving them with play calling, and it just it turned out bad. Their play calling looked bad due to what they were limited to and the fact that the Saints just had it figured out. I mean, it was pretty obvious that, you know, by the third quarter of the game that the Bears weren't really going to get any big chunks. They weren't going to take anything out of that defense because they were just sitting sitting in tight and they knew that the Bears were going to try to to throw it short and run it. And, you know, a lot of times they they sometimes they ran it three downs in a row and it just kind of showed the lack of confidence, uh, lack to, to really want to throw the ball downfield, even though Trubisky did, you know, kind of open up in the game and did hit his receiver. It wasn't his fault that he dropped it. So I think if there's one thing you want to kind of pin on the coaching staff, it's maybe that they just went too conservative after that moment. Like that was kind of their one go to, you know, maybe make a splash, make a big, you know, play. And after that, they kind of folded and went conservative, even though, you know, defense got a couple turnovers, you know, and they just couldn't quite make a benefit out of it. So I think it's, it's a tough game. And ultimately it goes down as one that, you know, it's easy to pin on Trubisky. I think there's other elements that were there. But at the same time, it's just it's a result of this generic offense that does not have any complexities to it when it is limited by who is playing quarterback. So, yeah, ultimately mm-hmm. it does boil down down to that. I mean, you hate to say it, and I hate to just be, you know, ripping on Trubisky all day because he's not the only reason, but he's the main reason. He, It's one of those things where, I mean, for anybody here who's, you know, a business major – uh, you, you, you will learn that one of the core principles of running an operation, operations management, uh, is, is that you need, to, you need to fix the bottleneck before you fix anything else. So what, whatever is con- constricting your team the most, you need to fix that in order for uh, there to actually be an increase in efficiency. And, and what has occurred with the Chicago Bears over the past two years is that they never fixed the bottleneck. And because of that, the improvements were, you know, very limited. So seeing guys, you know, even the, even with the defense playing less, like say adding guys like, you know, Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham, guys to this offense, like David Montgomery, who are good play, really good players, you never saw the growth you were expecting because the, you always had that bottleneck that everything has to flow through. And that's what Mitchell Trubisky was. I like Mitchell Trubisky. I think he's a great guy. It, it hurt to see his last press conference because I truly think he's someone who really, really cares about being a good quarterback. It just wasn't there. You know, it just wasn't there. And that's what it's going to be. I mean, this is a talent-based sport. He's a talented player, but, you know, the mental talent is a huge aspect of it. And he just he just didn't have it. He truthfully didn't have it. And, you know, that's what it is. And that was on display in the Saints game. Uh, the defense, you know, as much as there were a lot of there were a lot of crappy tackling and a lot of miscues, I mean, the defense held the Saints, which are good offense, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, held them to seven points through half of the third quarter. Okay, and that, that's when the offense, like, that's when the defense started getting a little drained. And they at the end of the day, they only let up like 21 points. On, for a Saints defense, you should be able to beat a team if you're holding them to 21 points, especially a team as good as that. And that was with half of our defense healthy, you know? Like, the, the defense, while there were plenty of things that you can point at and say, oh, my God, if that would have happened differently, then this wouldn't happen. This was bullsh- bullshit or whatever. 
it, it I, I want to emphasize that we should be able to score 20 over 21 points on offense if we're <laughs> claiming that we should be in the playoffs. Right. No, exactly. In my opinion, 21 points, you know, held by the defense, that's more than job done. I mean, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically you need to score, I mean, of course, 22 points to win. Like, that's, you know, obvious. But not too often do you score 22. So that means you need to get, like, 24 points to win that game. And that's more than obtainable. I mean, that's three touchdowns mm-hmm. and a field goal, which isn't asking too much. And, right, the Bears couldn't get it. I think the defense did its job. Got a couple turnovers, right? Got um, forced a couple punts. I mean, you can't ask for too much more. I mean, that's saying it's offense. It has enough weapons. It's going to score on a couple of its drives. And asking your offense to match three touchdowns and then do one better by getting a field goal. I mean, it's not, it's not asking a crazy amount. So yeah, I I don't think you can pin too much on the defense, especially for the fact that they were so shorthanded. I mean, Manti Teo (laughs) kind of in the the fill in role, he didn't do awful. I mean, he, I think he at least played aggressive, brought the energy that was needed and that was appropriate for the stage. Um, You know, he did make a couple of mistakes, but you know, you got to expect that from someone that's coming in basically completely cold. He was uh, fighting for his virtual girlfriend. Um, <laughs> he, of course, you have to take that shot, you know. <laughs> I mean, how can you not, man? Like, it's funny because it's so, like, it's so not a big thing. Like, it's not even something that, like, happened on, like, the main stage. But for some reason, everyone has just held on to it. Like, no yeah. one no one talks about how Earl Thomas got, like, walked in on by his wife and from him and his brother having a threesome together. No one no one knows Earl Thomas now as the threesome guy, but everyone knows Monty Teo. And, well, yeah, <laughs> some, some people, people do. do. <laughs> but everyone, or, or maybe uh, the whole Pac-Man Jones situation, which we can get into later on. But everyone knows Monty, Monty Teo. They, they always know, hey, he's a, he's a guy that got kept fished yeah. just it's so funny it's it's funny how those things stick um but anyways yeah i mean again given the the what we were missing that was a spectacular defensive performance if i'm being honest like given what we were missing you can't ask for much better i mean you you really can't you know it's like 21 points is so 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 little That's not a big deal. And sure, we could say that, oh, you know, we ended up scoring that touchdown at the end of the game, which, I mean, by the way, spectacular catch by Jimmy Graham. Uh, Looked amazing there. Um, And, uh, you know, know, technically we scored there. And, you know, sure, Javon Wims, he dropped that catch. But, again, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, come on, guys. Like, you should be able to score 21 points if you claim that you're a good football team. And, you know, we can also blame that partially on Nagy um, not being able to do that. But at the end of the day, we're going to get a lot more clarity on exactly who Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are next season. I, I feel like we got a little bit more this season, but like this off season is, and I don't, I don't want to overhype this, but this is the most important off season for the Bears in probably like since Super Bowl, since the the last time we went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I mean, it's super important just because each year that you don't go out there and don't like make the progress, it just pushes everything further and further down the line. And, you know, 
If the Bears fail to address their issues, there's no reason to believe that they'll look any different than they did this year. Or that like this mm-hmm. could even be the ceiling. I mean, they could look worse. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely mm-hmm. important. And you don't want your team to get stuck in the rut of mediocrity, which I think the Bears are kind of in, not quite. But you don't want to get stuck there because, you know, then you just end up, you never achieve anything, but you're never getting any good draft picks. So you're kind of, you don't have anything really fun to watch. I don't know really what better way to put it, but it's kind of the worst place to be. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't think that the Bears are in the what people want to say the rut of mediocrity. I think what the Bears are is a team that in the past has struggled a lot to find, you know, any sort of continuity and just went through pretty much a complete rebuild under Ryan Pace, which I think he did a pretty good job outside the quarterback position. Uh trying to like get everything in order, trying to get these finishing touches and it reminds me a lot of like, you know, we talk about it, like a lot of teams before they really take off they, they kind of, you know, hang in that, like getting in the playoffs, like right before it. It's not, while it does happen that like teams that like rebuild and build up really quickly again, while they can be that, the teams that tend to turn out dominantly is that they just do enough years of good drafting, good free agency moves that things just kind of come together. Um, yeah. And they don't have these massive changes year after year. And I think Bears fans are almost accustomed to it that now whenever something goes wrong they're like okay we need we need to change it again but i mean at the end of the day you want to while matt Nagy may be a completely different person i mean guys like pete carroll he's barely like they've barely done anything in the playoffs over the past how many years like they i don't even think they have a playoff win in like the past like four years yeah and he's also someone that did bad on his first stint as a head coach in the nfl so this you mm-hmm. can read into that as well i mean sometimes people don't get it right in their first couple of years and you know, maybe we can serve as this a transition off of the Saints game and kind of more into our naggy discussion. But well, th- re- really quickly, really quickly though, I do want to talk about Trubisky and Robinson returning. Oh, okay, go ahead. Or not returning. Yeah. So today in the press conference, which Reese, did you did you watch the press yeah. conference? Yeah. It was kind of a, a tense press conference to say the least, and I can imagine why. I mean, these guys, their job and their living and their passion are on the line, you know. And it's mm-hmm. it became very clear that this was not an easy decision for Bears management. Like they truly considered just completely, you know, changing ship. But I think that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace probably came together and sold them enough on an idea that they have for this next season. Uh, whether it works out or not, that's to be seen. But it became very clear, and then also in through Robinson's comments in his press conference, that Trubisky is 100% gone, and Robinson's like 95% gone. Because Rob, you know, Robinson, he whenever he was talked about having contract, he said everything's on the table. But you know, uh, I feel like we should have gotten a contract done already. Um, and then he's on Twitter today liking stuff about the Dolphins signing him and, and, and stuff like that. So. I mean, they're gone. They're, they're, they're both probably gone. And what, I mean, instant reactions, like how do you feel about this? Because this, honestly, this duo defines the Bears offense over the past three years. I'm not too broken up about it because of what you just said right there. I mean, we got a good three years of it. Um, you know, Robinson probably being the better piece of that, obviously, not even probably, obviously the better piece of that. Um, <laughs> You know, still believe that he's probably a top 15 receiver in the league. At the same time, not too upset to see him walk. I I think I've made that pretty clear on this podcast that I think that he's a good wide receiver. 
I think he's a good uh, a jack of all trades, master of none. But in this league, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're great. It kind of just means that you're good, you're sufficient. He's a decent route runner. He's got pretty good hands. Um, I think your everyday national NFL analysts would say that he makes big catches on third down and in the red zone, but they're not watching the games. Uh, he drops a lot of crucial, crucial balls, mm-hmm. in my opinion, especially this past season. In the past, he's been a bit better with it. Had them uh, ripped from his hands, too. Yeah, exactly, which is such an odd thing for it, and for it to happen almost, what, three times this year, two to three, three times. times. Yeah, it, it is crazy, but, you know, whatever. I, I won't speak on that. Um, yeah, I'm not too broken up to see him go because I, I want to see if it's a little, a little more flashy. He has a little bit more of that explosive ability, and it's so weird that whenever the Bears look for an explosive play, they're not looking for Allen Robinson. You know, when you're looking for the, the, the 15 15 yard corner route that Mitch struggles to throw, um, then yeah, you're going to Robinson. <laughs> but when they're going for you know the deep shot, right? They're going for Mooney or in the past it was Taylor Gabriel. Whatever reason we're throwing mm-hmm. it to the smallest receiver, uh, deepest passes. I get the speed burn guys, but if we could get someone that's over six foot, <laughs> that could also be a deep threat. It'd be a totally different <laughs> ball game. But, yeah, not sad to see Allen Robinson go if he ends up going. I do think he's a good asset, but at the same time, not broken up about it. And Mitch, I think we made that quite quite clear, too. Yeah, he can go. Um, well, let's just bring in something new. Let's try uh, a new look on offense. You know, the, the, the thing is, like, with Robinson, the weird thing is that you could almost – in my opinion, go out in free agency and sign someone to a cheaper deal than what he's probably going to get and that be a potentially better player. Yeah. Like like a guy like a guy that I consider that I think is like truthfully one of the most underrated players in the NFL is Kenny Galladay. And he's yeah. coming he's coming available too. And if you want to talk about explosiveness, Kenny Galladay way higher than Allen Robinson as far as the explosive ability. If you want to talk about height and big body, Kenny Galladay way better than Allen Robinson at that. If you want to talk about consistency, yeah, maybe Allen Robinson's a little bit more consistent, but Kenny Galladay seems to have a, you know, um, he just when Kenny Galladay plays, he looks like a dominant player, and I've never gotten that feeling from Allen Robinson. What I've always gotten from Allen Robinson is. He's someone that you can really rely on and he's going to get a lot of catches and he's, he's very valuable for that, for that, you know, but he's never going to be that, like, this is a, the guy on the team. And I don't, if you don't have a guy like, like one of those types of like, you know, Chris Collinsworth, like this is a man who like, this is a guy who, you know, that type of situation where Chris Collinsworth is like talking about how much he, he loves this player and how everyone <laughs> in the NFL. You know, that's not who Allen Robinson is. And because of that, you shouldn't be paying him over $20 million a year. You know, yeah. that he's re- he is a replaceable talent. I promise everybody. He's, he, we might not get it exactly right on the head this year, but he is down the line. I mean, there's guys in the draft that I already look at that I think can fill the exact same role as Allen Robinson. Uh, you can definitely make the argument, and it's a pretty firm one, I'll add, that... Th- Every other team in the division has a better receiver than him. I mean, yeah, Devontae I mean, I think, Adams, yeah, I do. Yes. I agree. Jefferson, more than likely, or at least will be. Uh, so, going to be. Going to be. Going to be soon. And, and then Kenny Galladay, if you want to put him on for the Lions, which, you know, that's probably where the biggest argument would be right there. And, you know, being someone that came from NIU, got to watch him when he played football here, and then got to see him play a lot in Detroit. 
yeah, I, I think that he is pretty good, and I think that he at least has that it factor more than Allen Robinson does. I think at least that argument can be made where he does a little bit more of a playmaker. You know, I think that that's probably where Allen Robinson falls short is that he is replaceable because he's not necessarily a playmaker. He will get you certain conversions, all that, but he's not a game changer. He's not someone that defenses have to absolutely worry about, you know? Sure, do you want to mm-hmm. pay, pay a little extra attention to him? Yeah, it might it might do you a favor, but at the same time, he's not someone that's going to consistently need to have two eyes on him. You don't need to always double coverage, double cover Allen Robinson. I, I wouldn't think so. It's actually interesting because how I'd kind of compare him, and this is a weird comparison because he this other receiver is a slot wide receiver, but he reminds me a lot in the same way as like Jarvis Landry where mm. like he'll he'll get you that like consistent like you know seven yard game gain or that that like consistent like 12 to 15 but it just it seems like when when the the moment is on the line you know it's not the guy you go to he's not necessarily the guy you go to and the other thing that i think is really weird with Allen robinson is i don't think the bears really trust him in like a physical matchup like yeah. i i it's we see like guys like you know uh, like Jimmy Graham get these one-on-one matchups on the outside very frequently and towards the end zone, but we never see that from Allen Robinson despite his size. I know he's not super like muscular for a receiver, but he is tall. You know, he should be able to fight for this stuff. And and again, that that is something we actually do see out of Kenny Galladay at least is that he's a he's. I mean, that guy's a tank. I mean, I I hmm. think Kenny Galladay is such an underrated player. Um, yeah. But and he again, guys like Kenny Galladay, Justin Jefferson, uh, Devontae Adams, all these guys are guys that show up big when it's on the line, you know. And people want to say, oh, well, Robinson doesn't have the best quarterback. Well, are you going to tell me that guys like Justin Jefferson have the best quarterback? In fact, I think the misses, and also, when does Mitch really, Mitch doesn't really miss Robinson that much. He really doesn't. He, I can't remember Mitch. Mitch misses Mooney tons, but yeah. he never really seemed to have an issue with Robinson. And then you know, guys like Kenny Galladay. I mean, he played on the Lions, you know, with a backup quarterback for a lot of the time, and he still looked like a star. Also, uh, Chicago kid as well. So you know, maybe a little, maybe he'll give us a little home hometown discount if we <laughs> if we want to bring him in. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, let's, I mean, that's all I can really say. I'm going to miss uh, Allen Robinson, some guy that I think the, the Bears might actually look at to potentially replace him. I, I'd take a look at Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, I think that he could fit in that role exactly. He's he's very similar to Allen Robinson uh, in, in a lot of the way he plays. I, I like him a lot. Uh, I think that he'd be good. I don't know. He, he it's hard to say because some people have him going in like the first round. Nah. But I, I think he's more of like a second round pick. His like I could see him similar really, to Allen Robinson. His stock really fell this year. I'd say, you know, coming in coming into this year, some people thought that he might be like the number one receiver in this year's class, but that has definitely mm, changed. Clearly not. Yeah. Clearly not. That that's definitely changed. I think you know what? That that comparison to Allen Robinson is almost scary because he almost he has the same kind of like mediocre speed. Not really gonna mm. kill you with speed, not overly physical. But he's consistent. Um, kind of just runs routes well and, yeah, pretty fairly consistent. But nothing too flashy. And Minnesota, against the right matchup, yeah, he would make some deep ball conversions. But any decent wide receiver in college is going to do that. 
Yeah, and that's why I think like a guy like Allen Robinson. I mean, some people, some people are actually saying I can't remember his name, but some people are saying he's not even the best receiver on Minnesota right now because uh, Minnesota has another receiver that some other people like. I can't remember his name right now. Um, but yeah, so you know, maybe some, maybe go with someone like that. Uh, you know, maybe you want to get someone. I mean, the draft now they pump out these wide receivers. Darnell Mooney looks pretty good. Uh, we can get you know someone in free agency uh, is at least replaceable and hey if you get that quarterback position right and if that's what the money's going to you're going to see an offense offensive production way above what we saw with Mitchell Trubisky and Allen Robinson so you know ultimately I'm fine with it yeah no me too definitely so yeah let's get back into the the meat of it you know what people really want to hear about I guess which would be the the naggy and pace debate and I guess you know we can we we'll start off with Nagy. Just that we'll work our way up the the football food chain. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that the reason why Nagy was brought back, I think, was the little bit of resilience and also, you know, what you touched on earlier with with Trubisky. I think that there was kind of a little bit of you know he was never Nagy's guy, so I think he was given a little bit of a of a break there. He was never the guy for Nagy, and also it just became so apparent at the end that he was such a limiting factor within the offense. So I think that ultimately the ownership decided to give him a break and also bring pace along with him because, you know, at this point, even though they aren't locked together, they weren't brought in at the same time. It's clear that I think when Nagy's time ends, so will paces, he's kind of Mm. put his basically put his career on the back of Matt Nagy because you know, he fired John Fox, brought in Nagy, and kind of gave himself a break by picking Trubisky because I think you could definitely make the argument here that, you know, Ryan Pace might be gone if there was a different quarterback at the helm there and they didn't deliver. So I I think that using Trubisky as a scapegoat is, is honestly a decently large reason why they were brought back, to be honest. Yeah, I, I do too because honestly – there's nobody who can get a fair evaluation with Mitchell Trubisky. Truthfully, like there, there is nobody. And it's, I mean, we saw how the Patriots did with, you know, Bill Belichick. I mean, he's a great coach and he wasn't able to figure out Cam Newton. And do you want to, not to cut you yeah. off, but do you want to explain, because I know what you mean, but I feel like maybe other people are like, what do you mean a fair evaluation? Go into what you mean about oh, okay. what a fair evaluation of the coach means. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, everyone wants to look at what we see on the surface level, which what we see is bad offensive production. And at times questionable, you know, quarterback and not only quarterback play, but questionable, you know, decision making by Nagy and all of this. And that I understand completely. But what we don't know is on a snap-to-snap basis, where is this ball supposed to go? What is the read setup look like? Is is Mitch checking out or is Mitch adjusting, you know, uh, protection the right way? Is, you know, how's this, how's the center also, you know, all these different things. Is he checking out of the play? Like what is going on? Also, how much of Matt Nagy's playbook can Mitch just not run? You know, and I think internally they're very clear and they have a very clear understanding as to what's going on. They probably know exactly like we can't do this because we have Mitch. We we can't play call in the way that Matt Nagy is trying to play call. I mean, we all like this new, you know, kind of new unique system that Nagy was running toward the end of the year with Laser. 
But at the end of the day, that is not Matt Nagy's system. Matt Nagy is a, you know, he, he, he runs a West Coast variant that is very similar to Andy Reid's, which relies heavily on the quarterback and re- relies heavily on offensive talent. We have a good amount of offensive talent. We do not have a quarterback. And without the quarterback, it's just, it's a mess. It is a complete and utter mess. So that's why we really don't know who Matt Nagy is, and we won't until we have a good quarterback, until we can actually see his system ran in the way he intends it to be ran. And, and that, that's why I, I think that, you know, I like Ryan Pace more than I like Matt Nagy personally, because I think that he, outside of the quarterback, which is actually a quote we'll get into in a minute, uh, outside of the quarterback, I think that Ryan Pace has done an absolutely phenomenal job And like a, almost at this point, like from drafting point, like he is someone who, if you gave him a dynasty, he could continue that dynasty for a long time, as long as he had that quarterback position figured out. But I think Ryan Pace had more validity in being fired than someone like Matt Nagy, because Matt Nagy was brought in to fix the mess that occurred from drafting Trubisky. Yeah. And I think that people need to understand too, that Right. Matt Nagy comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. And maybe his offense isn't exactly like that, but looking into what Andy Reid's technical balance within an offense is, is usually going to be about a 60% pass, 40% run. You know, Mm -hmm. going to a run heavy offense, you know, while Montgomery is one of our best assets on that side of the ball currently, and especially if someone like Allen Robinson goes, I mean, then his name goes right to the top of that list is because it's just not in Nagy's DNA as far as what he wants in the offense. You know, perhaps call Mm -hmm. that the wrong hire for the job with having Trubisky as your quarterback, or also, like you said, you know, bringing in someone like Nagy to clean up what the mistake of Trubisky and to try to get some kind of functioning offense. But I think it became clear that that offense can't function to at least its full potential when the most important part is the limiting factor. So I think that, you know, people really need to take that into account as to why they weren't fired. I, I think that, you know, if the bears would have fired Nagy, I probably still would, would have been pretty happy. I would have said, okay, I like that they're going for a change of direction. I can live with it though, for that reason that basically you're asking someone like Nagy to, to get the job done with completely the wrong personnel, <laughs> you know, basically mm-hmm. like imagine going on to like a job that you need, you know, such and such people and they give you people that have no idea. Well, maybe that's not a right comparison, but people that don't necessarily do what you're asking them to do. And you have to try mm-hmm. to get them to, you know, work within that system. And you're going to have parts where I fail. You're going to have, you know, these weeks, you know, especially against good teams as becomes very apparent when those are players that are playing within a system that fit well and they're running like a well-oiled machine, the bears are just sputtering. So I think that Mm -hmm. when you think about it in that line, the justification for keeping them can become a lot easier to understand, at least in that right. You don't have to be happy with it, but at least you can realize why it happened. And, And I don't want to hear anything about Nick Foles. Don't, don't even bring up Nick Foles. The reason why Nick Foles was our quarterback is because we didn't have enough cap. We didn't have enough draft capital to even pursue a, a, a better quarterback. You know, it, it said that we were in the running for Tom Brady. And if that would have happened, then all of these excuses go out the door. 
It says we're in the running for Teddy Bridgewater, which I think would even be less excuses than they have now as well, or even less excuses than they have now as well. But at the end of the day, it was Nick Foles, and they signed Nick Foles because they knew, they knew who Mitchell Trubisky was last year. You know, it's it, they knew it, and they just they had to do what they had to do this season. And at the end of the day, that ended in an eight and eight record. Uh, they believe that hopefully Nick Foles could maybe take them to the playoffs if certain things broke right. It, it didn't happen, but at the end of the day, you can't say, "Oh, Nagy got his quarterback because he picked out Nick Foles. He knows his system." Like, no, like, come on, Let, let's be let's be honest here, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, what a, a re- <laughs> so, something I really like. I can't remember who said it. I think it was Kevin Fishbane, if I remember correctly. But he said uh, there was. I can't. I think it was the. Uh, I can't remember if it was ownership or if it was Ted Phillips or who it was. But they said we've gotten everything, or we have. Have we gotten the quarterback situation right? No. Have we won enough games? No. But everything else is there, and that's something that I that I actually agree with. You know, like. Everything else is almost perfect except for that quarterback position. There, there is so there, there's very little flaws from a talent perspective on this team. <laughs> but what Kevin Fishbane put out is, uh, is he said, that's like saying, hey, Mrs. Lincoln, other one besides, you know, everything else, did you still enjoy the play? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, uh, like it is kind of, you know, in a kind of, you know, dark way that, you know, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, they're doing everything else, but the most important thing has been left out. And, and I, I, I understand that. And it's extremely fair to point that out. I, I think that it also needs to be addressed that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are lucky that they still have jobs to a certain extent. I think mm-hmm. that they have, you know, Ted Phillips said, I really like the the culture that we have. Now, at the same time, there's one way you can look at it. You enjoy the culture that you have, but it hasn't led you to anything. You know, technically, this year was a losing season. They went eight and nine, but you exclude the playoffs. They went eight and eight. You know, lost in the wild card round. Their best finish is a loss in a wild card round. They haven't really accomplished that much. So you like that culture, but at the same time, it's a testament to everything else that they've done outside of the results. You know, and, and there's 31 mm-hmm. other teams this year that aren't winning the Super Bowl. You know, just like the Bears. So. Mm-hmm. You do have to take that into account. There's other things beyond the stats, beyond the record. And, of course, that's what it boils down to, and it boils down to lifting that Super Bowl trophy, the Vince Lombardi trophy. But there are other things you need to take into account. you know. But with that being said, I do think they're lucky to have their job. But Ted Phillips, which, you know, someone that I think is, has been lucky to keep his job for as long as he has. Um, you <laughs> I know, guess made he's not that, retiring. Made it, seems, that, it seems like that's not right. Right. Uh, you know, made that statement. I think it's, it's fitting for, for what we've talked about, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, it, my, my real question, and I thought it was weird that ownership declined to mention anything about the length of the contracts of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Uh, they said that they just declined to answer essentially. Um, which makes me think that they have bigger contracts than what we might think. And not that that necessarily matters all that much, but I could play into the decision. Um, but I mean, I, I think that it, it's tough and there's a lot of valid criticisms, but ultimately today played out in the way that I think it should have. And we can talk about Pagano in a minute too. We're going to be talking about that later on. 
And what I can say is that while I may not be 110% confident in Nagy or maybe even Pace getting his quarterback right, what I am confident about is that this team has the right priorities going into this offseason. Because something something that Ryan Pace said, uh, you know, or, so first off, I'm going to talk about McCaskey. Uh, he said, one, one thing that he said that really resonated with me was the thing that we are very much looking forward to and feel very positive about is, again, a collaboration between Ryan and Matt. That'll be immensely helpful going into the upcoming draft. So he's almost acknowledging exactly what we said, where it's like, you know, Pace, while he, he he didn't really have help drafting Trubisky, I'm sure with the our bum last coach John Fox, he didn't really have any really too much help there. And Nagy, he just kind of got thrown Trubisky to him. He never got to make that pick. So there is a lot to be help like happy with that going into next year. Not only are we going to have offensive personnel that has been completely picked by this system, the, the head of the system, but we also have now a quarterback who is handpicked by the guy who wants to make the scheme work, which I think is immensely important, truthfully. Um, so, so I think that kind of validates what we were saying, but one thing that Pace said specifically, and it really resonated with me, was the whole offseason. He made it very clear. The whole offseason is about getting the quarterback position right, and he said everything is on the table and specifically says through the draft or acquiring one. And we could talk we can read into that in a little bit, but I'm happy. I mean, this is what this is what I've said we should have done last year, even the year before that. It's we we need an off season where it's like there is no boundaries to what we're gonna do to get our starting quarterback and to make sure he is a guy. Yeah. And this offseason absolutely needs to be that. I mean it's definitely going to be the story of the offseason. We're not going to be talking about, you know, who's going to be our kicker next year. Because fortunately, we have that figured out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, you know. he is a dude. Cairo Santos, man, that man's a tank. That, that dude, <laughs> crazy, man. Best player on the Bears. Hell yeah. But, um, in all seriousness, yeah, it's going to be about the quarterback position and, you know, to kind of get to what you're foreshadowing at, you know, the name. You know, Deshaun Watson, of course, that has to be brought up. I mean, the Bears have been linked to him tremendously, especially when the trade talks. And I know it's infuriating that we didn't get him the first time and that now that we'd have to give up all this draft capital if we wanted to get him and, you know, potentially another talented player if we wanted to get him. You know, I know that sucks, but, you know, he very much is the option. He could be, you know, the Bears quarterback. You know, another name that we've tossed around continuously you know, Sam Darnold could make that move, could make that trade. Or, you know, as you were hinting at Austin or as we talked about before, you know, we started recording, you know, that option going into free agency. I mean, we don't know who exactly the whole free agent crop is going to be. We don't know if it's going to include someone like Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, it's probably not going to record, you know, have someone like Drew Brees. I think he's going to retire. But there's a couple other potential names out there, you know, Potentially even Tua could be getting shopped around. I know he's been linked with the mm-hmm. Texans. So there's a lot of options there. And, of course, we have all the names in the draft. I mean, they could take it and maybe they say, hey, you know, the potentially three first-round draft picks we have to give up for Deshaun Watson 
aren't worth it, you want to go up there and we'll use two of our first round draft picks to trade, make a trade up to get to Zach Wilson or something along mm-hmm. those lines. I think that, you know, these are the kind of assessments, the kind of critical thinking that they're doing that, you know, they absolutely need to do it to get the right quarterback for this team and for that system. You know, maybe Nagy doesn't feel like Deshaun Watson would be the right person to, to play out his system. Maybe he is in love with someone like, you know, Zach Wilson, like um, Trey Lance, you know, any of these potential names coming up. I think that's what they are figuring out internally. And it's fun to speculate about who could potentially be, you know, the next Bears quarterback. But, you know, ultimately it's going to be that decision of, you know, Nagy and Pace putting their head together. And if it's not, if it, if one of them ends up not getting in their way, it's absolutely inexcusable. I don't know. There's nothing else you can say other than that. What I can say right now is not only do I feel like the Bears are most dedicated to getting this position right within one season – and like having this be like a good to go type of situation where like we're like going into next season we not we we know we have a guy on the team um i'll i'll reassure everybody the bears aren't going to sit at the 20 pick and pick a quarterback there there's no way there there is no way in how that the bears wait till the 20th pick to draft a quarterback if they're going to draft one okay I think what we're going to see is whether whether we like it or not, whether it's worth it or not, the Bears are going to be incredibly aggressive this offseason. This, this is going to be the most aggressive offseason because not only is it, uh, uh, is it a what management wants and that we need a quarterback, but I would be shocked if the Bears had under 10 wins and the coaching staff and the entire front office is is maintained like the the expectation is not only a winning season but a season that takes you deep into the playoffs like there there is no there is no oh well we we got our we got a quarterback and he's giving us some hope that's why i really don't even think it's going to be through the draft if i'm being completely honest i don't think we're going to get a quarterback through the draft i think the the quarterback is going to probably come well either i think we're going to get a top three quarterback or we're going to get a quarterback through some other uh, some other way through free agency through you know trade whatever that may be that's what it it seems like we're going to be doing because it's just getting i don't think they would risk t- taking Trey Lance and trying to get him to develop because they know that in that time they're going to be losing some games just based on having a you know a quarterback that isn't necessarily like the top guy in the draft, someone that you have to develop. This is going to be a very aggressive offseason, and the expectations are going to be sky high for management going into next year. I mean, if this team turns up another eight and eight, even nine or seven season, there's no way they're maintained. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, a good way to put it in the summation. I think that they're not going to waffle on this, and if they do, it's going to be a huge mistake, but is definitely in their best interest not to. It's going to be something very serious. And I think that what you said, you know, a top three quarterback, you know, or a big, big name in free agency that's, you know, not someone like Nick Foles, not a Mike Glennon, you know, not that Mm -hmm. kind of quarterback, but someone a lot more substantial either for free agency and a trade. I mean, it's going to have to be the move because, like you said, I mean, 100%, you know, Ryan Pace and Manning are putting their their jobs on the line for this. I mean, 100% rest on it i think a lot of people thought that you know pace's job rested on trubisky well 
it obviously it didn't, but a hundred percent rest with this next quarterback. I can assure you that. Mm-hmm. No, one hundred one hundred percent. Both of the, the entire regimes, uh, the the entire regime, truthfully relies on this quarterback position, and maybe maybe pushing your management into this hyper aggressive position isn't necessarily the best because that is how dumb mistakes can happen and there could absolutely be you know an extreme overpay or maybe the bears like try to go all out and try to sell the jets on like three first round picks for that number two overall pick something crazy like that i mean that's what happened with washington and rg3 right mm-hmm. it's like like stuff like stuff like that happens and that could happen could that be also one of the biggest mistakes in bears history absolutely there's a huge potential that that goes an absolute train wreck, especially with someone with Justin Fields, who you know I think he has a lot more questions on him than people want to than people want to make out that he does. I mean he he has some very questionable performances, especially with that national championship. Uh, there, there's there's a lot on the table with Justin Fields, but he's also you know a top end quarterback and has all the potential in the world as well. So it could really go either way. Um, same thing with Zach Wilson. You know he has a lot of bust potential too, but he can also be a great quarterback. This is not going to be a off season like we've had in the past two years. I would almost, I would almost say that if the Texans are going to trade Deshaun Watson, I would be so 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 surprised if he gets traded to a team that's not the Bears, because I think that this specifically Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, I think that they are so desperate right now that they would trade literally everything for him. Like I like I don't think that there is like a reasonable like something that's obviously there's something that's outrageous, but I don't think there's a reasonable trade or even like a slightly outrageous trade that this management wouldn't do for a court for Deshaun Watson or someone like that. Yeah, I think they would definitely consider, you know, just about anything. I don't know if I'd be necessarily as shocked as you would be. But I think that it's definitely, if he is truly available, it's definitely something that they're going to be seriously working on. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. And it, it's kind of funny because it, let's say or Pace does actually draft Watson. I mean, the conversations we're having right now are completely different. Ryan wow. Pace is considered one of the best GMs in football. Having Khalil Mack, Deshaun Watson, all these Eddie Jackson, guys like that. I mean, he, he is considered a... I mean, this, this, let's be honest here. If this team had Deshaun Watson, I mean, if we somehow acquired Deshaun Watson this offseason, I would be shocked if we weren't top four in Super Bowl odds. Oh, in Super Bowl. In, in, in the odds, yeah, I would believe it. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's the, it's the game that it's the game you play, you know, football. It's funny because there's so many decisions that have to be made yet. Sometimes you see it boil down to only a couple of decisions that really impact the legacy. Yeah. And a, and a decision, you know, and once again, you know, I usually come in too early with these transitions and I'm sure that you have something <laughs> else that you want to say. No, no, no. But that's uh, I, I was going to say that, you know, someone that didn't really have much of it, or actually did have a decision, but maybe didn't have as much of a decision as implied is, uh, <laughs> is Chuck Pagano who, uh, he's retiring now. Uh, was yeah. it a, was it a forced retirement? Nah, maybe, probably, <laughs> probably, but at the same time, he, you know, he walked away on his own. He's walking out of the game and, uh, you know, he had himself quite a career, not only as a coordinator, but as a, as a head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, where he had a decent amount of success, and now at the same time, it leaves the Bears with a uh, 
with an ability to go out and change a little bit of a route, which I think, you know, both of us are kind of happy to see, you know, some change coming to that defense. Yeah, neither of us were ever really particularly happy with what Pagano was doing scheme wise as a, as a defensive coordinator. And we felt that mm-hmm. the potential of the personnel was a lot higher than he was necessarily extracting out of them. We've seen players like Eddie Jackson perform a lot better in other systems. Uh, of course, Khalil Mack's numbers mm-hmm. have really never quite gotten to where they were under Vic Fangio. Um, as they, you know, never got quite to what they were under Vic Fangio when Chuck Pagano was defensive coordinator. So, I mean, there's some serious, you know, performance declines possibly there. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm not shitting on Mac there. We both, you know, will say that Cleo Mac is one of the top, if not the top defensive players, but, you know, he's subject to a lot of double teams, a lot of things that happen in the game that, that impact those numbers. But at the Ryan same Pace time, came out today and said he played the entire season through a somewhat major injury. Right. So I mean, that's impressive too. I mean, he's a, he's a warrior. I mean, truly. I mean, he's one of the best to ever play the game. I think that's a, a firm fact. Future now, with that Hall being Famer. said, you know, the next defensive coordinator was walking in with at least what right now we don't know what's going to happen with the off season. There might be a couple big names that are going to move out of this team as uh, as cap hits, um, especially depending on what the Bears decide to do with that quarterback position could definitely have an impact on that um but at the same time certainly there's gonna be some big names still there when the next next defense coordinator walks in loads of potential so uh you know they got got a decision to make there and finally at least we have one vacancy that we can kind of uh you know go over and see you know where the bears can improve absolutely and i think we will get a little bit more clarity um I mean, obviously, we're going to get more clarity once the Super Bowl, after the Super Bowl, and we know, you know, every single, you know, coordinator is able to actually be hired and all different types of things. But I, I have a few, I, I think that, you know, the guys that we, we put together, you know, they're, they're good guys. These, these are good guys to consider. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully we, we will make a, we'll make a move on. Uh, Reese, you want to give, give us your first guy? Yeah, so my first uh, defensive coordinator, you know, possible is Ed Donatel, who actually mm. um, is currently the defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos, and he's serving under Vic Fangio currently. Of course, you know, not sure if he would take that move out of his system if the Bears' move would be considered an upgrade to him, but a possible name. And, you know, obviously what jumps out to, to me is he's someone that, you know, has familiar with a system that I think a lot of people have liked. There's a lot of fan fan recognition there with, you know, Vic Fangio. I think a lot of people had a very positive impression. And I think it gives that ability to kind of get back to a little bit more, uh, not necessarily aggressive defense, but maybe a little more creative. I think that, you know, Chuck Pagano liked to sit in a few base packages and, and would play things a little bit more conservative at times. Um, was happy kind of playing that bend but don't break role, whereas, you know, a kind of more Vic Fangio based system wants to go out there and kind of force the offense to adapt and change to you, um, which I think has was one of the major differences we saw between Fangio and Pagano. I think that bringing back those kind of elements to this defense could be something that would you make the defense even scarier than, than they currently are. And hopefully back to, you know, as great as that 2018 defense was. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would be happy with Donatel, of course, because it is a lateral move. It could be, in fact, blocked by uh, by Denver. 
Uh, so that's something that's definitely on the table there. Uh, but I also like the idea of just go, kind of getting back to that Vic Fangio system uh, with maybe a new a new head in place. I mean, that worked with um, it worked very well with the Rams. Uh, and, you know, Brandon Staley over there has done a fantastic job running one of the top defenses in the NFL with, hey, a defense that w- while they do have guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, they also have a lot of holes on that defense. I think people don't necessarily talk about that that much. So getting a lot more out of players that necessarily, you know, aren't the best players. He, he does a good job with it. Um, so, you know, going with a guy like that, two other names, uh, internal hires that I want to bring up. Um, and this is going to be kind of one one person for me. I know we're doing six people, but I guess this is kind of seven people. Uh, Jay Rogers or Sean Desai uh, on the Bears currently. That's our D-line coach and our DB coach. You know, uh, for Jay, he's been with us for a long time with Fangio um, and then was carried over with Pagano. And then with Desai uh, in particular, um, he's someone who's actually tried to get lured by Fangio to uh, Denver and uh, the Bears ended up blocking that move because they liked him so much. So I'd be fine with going in with an internal hire uh, as long as that it is a you know a hire that's not from Chuck Pagano's system. <laughs> like I, I don't I don't want to see you know another iteration of his system. I'd rather see you know a return to Fangio's system uh, and the way he kind of ran things. Yeah, and I guess that brings me to my second name of Ted Monacino, who actually. I decided to bring him up early because he is kind of that further iteration of Pagano's system, someone that worked with Pagano extensively throughout his career. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's currently serving as the the linebackers coach and the and was the senior assistant or one of the top assistants to Pagano in that defense. Um, not particularly a move that I would like to see happen. It's definitely something that's possible. Um, I do think that you know, the upper management, the the top brass would like to see more out of this defense. But I do think that a move like this wouldn't necessarily be taken. It's not something they're putting completely out of consideration, but you know, once again, it'd be something, you know, very similar to what we've seen with Pagano. Of course, it would have his own little flavor with it, but I think it's definitely some, someone that is at least being discussed for that position. Uh, another another name that I like is uh, Chris Richard, who a lot of people don't really you know know, but he was kind of getting some head coaching hype last year uh, when he he was a Cowboys DBs coach. I think he did a lot of other stuff with that defense as well. Um, but that was a good Cowboys defense. They had some really good. Um, they they played really well uh, against you know some specific teams. Had guys like Robert Quinn play really well. Um, He's a really young head, co- a really young coach, and he ended up actually not coaching last se- or this season. Um, I don't know if that was on his own choice, uh, just because of COVID, and you know, obviously the previous coaching regime of the Cowboys was uh, completely changed. Uh, they did an entire coaching staff change, but he's someone that I'd be interested in, uh, kind of taking over the the helm. Yeah, and another move that could potentially be blocked is the current Bills, but also former 85 Bear and Super Bowl champion Leslie Frazier, who you might also know as a divisional foe as he was the head coach for the Vikings for many years. Um, just kind of a from a defensive standpoint, I think that you know those Vikings teams that the Bears face, you know, usually did have pretty tough defenses. Really like to utilize the edge edge rush. Although I do believe back in those times he was still running a four three. I'm not sure if that's something that he still employs, but mm. definitely would be in the minority of the league if he did that. Um, I think it's a bit of a reach, but 
sometimes, you know, the defensive coordinator, the assistant positions, they can be, you know, odd names, odd hires they weren't necessarily expecting. Um, so you kind of got to throw that kind of wild card pick in there sometimes. Uh, the last person I want to kind of throw in is another kind of wild card. Um, and it, it is going to be really, I'm really interested. I think that they will end up going the internal hire route this time from, uh, I, I, I honestly do believe that it's probably going to come in the form of either Jay Rogers or Sean to say, uh, but I, I think that another intriguing name is Gerald Alexander. Uh, he's the Dolphins defensive backs coach currently. I mean, they've done such a fantastic job with that defense. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with guy, you know, they have, uh, they have good DBs. They spend a lot of money on their DBs, but I mean, God, you know, Xavier Howard has had just such an insane season, uh, 10 interceptions, which is crazy. Um, and then, you know, that, that defense overall has been re- just really good for a team that, you know, before, you know, this Brian Flores coaching staff came in, they weren't considered anything special at all, really. Uh, so yeah, someone, someone from his tree, I, I would not mind at all. Uh, and I also wouldn't mind going the younger route. Both Gerald Alexander and Chris Richards are younger guys. Um, but really, I'm open-minded uh, to, to see maybe they go, you know. I know some people are saying the current Falcons uh, interim head coach, Raheem Morris. Uh, if I, I believe that's his name, Raheem Morris. Um, pe- people like him, um, you know, I don't know because that Falcons defense, you know, hasn't been great as of late, uh, obviously. But Meh. They've been meh. You know, yeah, you know, it It could, I mean, they also have not done a good job drafting at all. So, hey, they made Mitchell Trubisky look awful. <laughs> That's about the only, only person. That's our bar. That's our bar. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, man. Yeah, I think that, I think that's going to be about it, man. Uh, hopefully we keep getting a lot more news. I'm truthfully really intrigued by how this Watson you know, thing plays out, you know, he's, he followed a couple of Chicago weathermen, uh, kind of corresponding to, uh, his old tweet back in 2013, where he said he likes the Chicago weather. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe he wants, he, he wants to play in, uh, uh, uh West coast scheme. He likes Eric B who else was a former chief's assistant, Matt Nagy. I mean, <laughs> it's stuff, you know, stuff's just coming together. It's coming together. Uh, 20 you know 2021 uh starting quarterback for the chicago bears sean watson yeah yeah i mean it does sound pretty good i will say that i think one of the the most far-reaching theories that i've heard of who he's going to go to is that watson would be traded to the chiefs where someone insisted to be good <laughs> if he learned for a couple of years under mahomes no <laughs> no <laughs> to which I, that person got utterly flamed in the comments for <laughs> such a suggestion but yeah i think the bears definitely have at least better odds than the chiefs so we'll, we'll ride out on that high note <laughs> i mean i i want to say like how realistic do you think it is that he gets traded like that he is traded i'd say solid 75 percent chance really like yes. that that's the that's the one thing that is my biggest concern because i don't i think i truthfully believe that the bears would be more willing to like give anything than any other team and i also believe that like people want to connect the dolphins as one team but like 
as much as like, even if they're dumb enough to trade Watson, like at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, they're, I don't think they're dumb enough to send them to an AFC team, another AFC team. I think it's going to either be the Bears or the 49ers. I'd be shocked if it was anybody else. I don't think it's going to be the Patriots. I don't think it's going to be anybody. I don't think it's going to be the Steelers. Like some people are saying, I'm almost certain that it's going to be an NFC team. Uh, it's certainly not going to be the Colts, their division rivals. If you guys want a little, you know, a little knowledge on that, but I, I see the bears because I think they're the most desperate to do so truthfully. Yeah. They certainly have to be one of the most front runners. And I think the desperation factor is bigger than it's ever been before. That's for sure. But I'm, I'm down at like 30%. I think there's like a 30% chance he does get traded because you know, he does have a lot of power and it's clear that he wants to be traded now because he was pictured with uh, Andre Johnson at the Rockets game. And uh, Andre Johnson was tweeting out about how Deshaun needs to hold out. And on the picture that Andre Johnson uh, posted, he, he was saying, um, "He wait, am I, am I saying the right fucking player or am I, I confusing? I mean, I assume so. You're talking about the former Texans wide receiver, Andre Johnson. I believe so. I, I, okay. I believe I believe so. Hey, let me put this in. Just uh, I'll I'll cut it out if not. <laughs> but I, I believe I believe I I'm saying the right player. Um, but yeah, he was picked, and it was like his 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 caption was "Stand your ground." So it literally cannot be any clearer. And I'm sure that you know, with Tyron Matthew uh, tweeting out about like, "Oh, if I were the Bears or the the 49ers or the Saints, I'd be all in on this." Like these guys talk. You know, it's not it's not like usually when there's like this much smoke there's like a substantial fire like such little stuff gets leaked to the media about drama anyways and we'd like to think but like when it's getting this heated i mean it can be pretty bad the only thing i could see the texans may be doing that would calm him down is hiring eric Bieniemy and like conceding that with him but i mean still i i, I just I, I don't know i don't know we'll just have to see it's all, all I'm excited to cover it. I'm excited to cover it. Um, you know, it's the off season now, so we don't really do our game stuff, but uh, it's going to be some playoffs. Hopefully the Packers lose to the Rams. Uh, and then, uh, you know, going into, uh, going into the off season, we're going to have to, you know, really get some exciting news. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. And we'll, we'll be the ones here to cover it. So you can always come back to us. We'll, we'll work on some more ASMR, like, you know, the beer opening for the last episode. We'll, <laughs> we'll work on some more ASMR for you guys. Uh, put our, you know, superb quality mics to the test uh, to really, you know, enlighten your day. But thank you guys so much. Um, thank, especially if you got into this point, you are, you know, really statistically, you are one of our best fans. So thank you guys <laughs> so much. We appreciate that. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. I'm sure you guys have already. We do a lot of content there. Reese, I'm about to upload uh, one of his videos talking about the offensive progression and regression and just offensive transformation throughout the four, the past couple of years and how it's still kind of an issue. So that'll be on YouTube uh, coming up on, to, well, actually the day that I'm post this will be posted. Um, and then, you know, we're going to try to do a bunch of creative topics and talk about what the Bears should do. Uh, and kind of, you know, end the depression that the 2020 season was. Uh, so thank you guys so much and bear down. Bear down.